Production and distribution of City Club forums on IdeaStream are made possible by the generous support of PNC and the Raskin Family Fund, with additional funding from Robert Conrad, Cleveland State University, the Chautauqua Institution, the Cleveland Clinic, and the United Black Fund of Greater Cleveland Incorporated. Good afternoon and welcome to the City Club of Cleveland. I'm Dan Malthrop, Chief Executive here at the City Club. And before I get into it, let me just say that if you're tuning in, expecting to hear from Billy Bean, who leads diversity and inclusion efforts for Major League Baseball, there's been a bit of a change. He couldn't get out of New York because of severe weather and we are rescheduling his appearance. But I have to say I love our community. We are able to see every challenge as an opportunity. And so joining together with our community, we've put together a fantastic panel conversation about some of the issues we've been thinking about all week. The MLB All-Star Game was just one of many moments recently when the eyes of the nation were trained on Cleveland. We've had championship basketball, World Series baseball, probably one of the most remarkable mid-season turnarounds in recent NFL history. In 2021, we will host the NFL Draft. In 2022, the NBA All-Star Game. In 2024, the NCAA Women's Division I Final Four. So that gives us about, yes, right? I know. That's what you call momentum. And that gives us about four and a half years to win a Super Bowl. So when you think about all of this, you might ask yourself, how do we make the most of these moments? And how do we make sure that these moments include as much of the community as we possibly can, as they possibly can? So in true Cleveland spirit, where we find the opportunity in whatever challenge we encounter, we are meeting Billy Bean's absence with a panel conversation about this amazing MLB All-Star Week and the power of sports to bring a community together and to bring out the best in that community. It sounds boostery, I know. But when it comes to leveraging an all-star game to meet community needs, it's actually not always that easy. And we'll unpack some of that today as well. So without further ado, I'm honored to introduce our moderator today. He's a great friend of the City Club, WKYC's Russ Mitchell. He's been in Cleveland since 2012 when he took over as lead anchor on WKYC. He's from St. Louis originally and may be best known nationally for his work in a variety of roles at CBS News. And Russ will introduce our panelists, members, and friends of the City Club. Please join me in welcoming and thanking Russ Mitchell. Thank you. Thank you. Dan, thank you very much and good afternoon, everyone. Really appreciate you coming out today and want to say thanks to the City Club, Stephanie Jansky, Dan and her crew for doing an amazing job in putting this together today at the last minute. A round of applause for those folks. You know, if we can. I came in and asked if they were at the bar you know, already and they said after this they're going to make it over there. So I totally understand. Let's begin our program now. To my immediate left, Dennis Lehman, Executive Vice President of Business for the Cleveland Indians. To my far left, David Gilbert, President and CEO of the Greater Cleveland Sports Commission. And before we go any further, gentlemen, hey, congratulations on an amazing week. Just a wonderful week. <laughs> Dennis and David will be signing copies of Billy Bean's book uh, after <laughs> if, yes, and, and. Too soon, Dan? I, I, oh, it's okay, all right. David, let me begin with you. And this is a high-hanging curve for you, uh, if I can throw this at you. Uh, what kind of reaction are you getting from not only the city, but from around the country on how Cleveland handled itself this week? Yeah, it's, it's been um, 
incredible and gratifying because um, what we're hearing from around the country, from a lot of people in our industry, um, and also what national writers are writing about is how, how amazing Cleveland performed. And a lot written certainly about baseball and, and tremendous things there. But um, the, really a lot of talk of, of our community setting the bar for how this event was, was uh, held and managed. And huge team effort, but that's, you, know, you, you can't, can't ask for anything better than that. Uh, great publicity everywhere. Dennis, what do you hear? Well, I, I, I hear the same thing. I, I will tell you this, that, that what's re not remarkable in, in some respects is that people talk about the kindness of uh, the people who are on the street and people who uh, interacted with our visitors. And the fact that uh, people were very outgoing, uh, they looked you in the eye, uh, they wanted to help you in some way if you looked like you were lost. Uh, you know, to me, that was sort of like, uh, you know, it's an affirmation of the fact that we really live in a wonderful community and that people really sort of look out for each other. And I, I, I thought that that was uh, very, very interesting for other people to sort of pick that stuff up. And I think the other thing too, and, and we've heard a lot of this just recently with some of the national media, is how clean uh, the downtown was and how uh, the infrastructure seemed to perform so nicely. And, and uh, you know, you can kind of talk about these sort of abstract sort of things and we kind of look at it every day, but when you see other people sort of noticing uh, everyone's sort of coming together and working together. Uh, it's it's really a, a it's a wonderful thing to to hear from other people. That that affirmation is really important. Let me ask you this, uh, Dennis. Before an event like this, and you're you've got all this anticipation, you've done all this work and putting things yeah. together. Uh, what are the biggest concerns? What what are the biggest issues that you think about? Well, this could go wrong. This could go wrong. This could go wrong. Well, I. I you, you, don't, you don't know what you don't know, I guess, in some respects. So I, I think we sort of felt comfortable that, that we could execute uh, from that standpoint. I think that what was challenging was that baseball was doing some things they had never done before. So, for example, the, the play ball park, which sat on top of the convention center, there were, there were weight restrictions and there was uh, uh, all new equipment that had just been built just for Cleveland uh, that, was, uh, that needed to be properly positioned and so forth. And then uh, the, probably the most complicated thing that, that we certainly uh, faced was really the Ray Carpet uh, mm -hmm. show, which happened on Tuesday. Again, but that was that collaboration thing. So in a lot of respects, I, I think we were anxious about it, but we, we got started pretty, pretty far out in, in some respects. So we've been talking about this for 10 months or so. So it, there were no surprises, I guess is the best way to describe it, and that everybody had their cards on the table. It was just when it really came to <coughs> together uh, and the massiveness of it, it was like, whoa, you know, yeah. uh, that, that was, it was, you know, the trucks that were, <laughs> we, we spent a lot of time with uh, our, our city friends about uh, weight restrictions and the size of these trucks that were out on Play Ball Park were really just, uh, they, were, they were staggering mm -hmm. in the sizes of, I mean, you know, you can see them on paper, mm -hmm. but you certainly sure. can't expect them. David, as confident as I know you were going into this week, uh, are there sleepless nights on those uh, nights before the event? How would you describe uh, your stomach before everything turned out the way it did? Um, always sleepless nights. Uh -huh. um, it, it's it's more you just part of, you just hope everything goes well. You spend years preparing for something like this, and and you you, you know part of it, you you want it to go right. It's you know it, you're having you know, you're inviting tens of thousands of people to your house. And, uh, and, and you want everything to go exactly right. And a lot of things you can't control. 
so much, so, so much of this you can't control. And so I think a, l a little bit of pins and needles all along the way. And, and um, the best you could do is, is, is have as much preparation as you can so that if and when things start to go sideways, you could stop it before, before small things become, become major problems. Let's go back to the process now. And this really is for both of you. And you said, of course, the city, the team, the Sports Commission have been planning for this uh, for years. Let's go back to the very beginning. How do you get an event like this? How does it start? Well, it starts by uh, asking uh, baseball to provide you with a, uh, a document where you essentially fill out a form and then you then open up a, a, a file and then you have this kind of a give and take as far as what are the uh, expectations of a, a major event like this because of the the need for uh, you know controlling their expenses, controlling our expenses, uh, making sure they understand what what you have as far as not only the the ballpark itself, but the convention center, the hotel spaces, and so forth, and all that sort of gets loaded into a uh, a, a document that then David and his group then sort of craft it and put it together so that we present it to Major League Baseball as a as a document that says this is what we can do. And uh, that's, that's how it begins, and then it's scrutinized by Major League Baseball. So in a lot of ways, all of these different All-Star games in, in the NFL draft and the NBA All-Star game, there's a lot of competition among mm -hmm. cities uh, that are looking to attract these sort of uh, major events. And so you've got to be on your toes because you're actually playing against, in our case, it was the, uh, the Dodgers and the Atlanta, and the Atlanta uh, cities that likewise wanted to have the 19 uh, event as well. So we were lucky enough that, that we got the 19 and the, you know, Los Angeles has the next year and Atlanta the following year. But uh, that's the kind of activity that goes on. And, and uh, then we, we got kind of the green light, probably uh, super secret four years ago. Uh -huh. In terms of that competitiveness, David, how would you describe it in terms of competing with other cities to get an event like this? I mean, they're all very competitive. Um, you know, we were, when we were uh, um, going after the, the NFL draft, at the first bid, which we didn't win, it was for 2019-20, mm -hmm. there were 22 cities all, all, all bidding on just two years. Uh, we, were made, we, we were after a number of rounds, we made it down to a final five and uh, um, Nashville and Las Vegas were chosen uh, and then went back into the competition. We were fortunate enough to get it for 21, but they, um, you know, the, none, of, none of these happened by accident. They're all, all uh, some very hyper competitive and, uh, um, and we want to win. We, I mean, we, and, and I would tell you, we go in expecting to win. Mm -hmm. We, you know, and I think what this past week showed is we, we, we believe wholeheartedly that if, if we don't get chosen, whoever's event it was, NCAA or Olympic governing bodies or any of the others, it was there, they made the wrong choice. I mean, we go into this signet that we, are, we know that we, our job is to set the bar to make the event better than anywhere else it's been. And, uh, uh, and if we're confident about that going in, we think we have a better chance. Is there, you, I envision this at some point being a room that somebody walks in and makes a formal presentation. Am I right about that? Mm -hmm. What's the biggest, what's the strongest pitch for Cleveland that you heard, that you made during this process? I think in, in most of them, it is, it is, we will make your event better. And we will wrap our community around your event unlike anybody else. And, you know, there's, and Dennis talked about all the, the check the box. If you have to show you've got the hotels and the convention center and, and all the facilities, that's, that's 
I think that's sort of the table stakes. Um, and after mm -hmm. that, you know, the, the, for, for all of these organizations, it, it doesn't matter at every level, we're hosting the World Yo-Yo Championship in a few weeks. Mm -hmm. That yeah. event is, <laughs> you know, for that group, that's, it is just right. as critical yeah. as, as the All-Star Game is for MLB. Yeah. Sure. So you have to go into that being able to, to convince them that, that you know, that's their lifeblood. That's their, that's their baby. And you have to go in, you know, our job is to go in to demonstrate and show them how we are gonna take care of them unlike anybody else. And so the successes of events that we've had um, play a big role in, in our ability then to say this is what we did with, whether it's RNC, MLB All-Star, many, many others. And, and, uh, um, and it's a pretty small universe. A lot of these folks know each other. And, and I think that really helps when we've built the resume we've had of not just hosting, but successfully hosting these events, I think it really helps build on the next one. When does the city become involved, the city and the county? At what point do they become involved in these discussions? I think that they, they, they become involved right away because of, because of the infrastructure needs. So as far as the, the scope of activity, uh, the city and county need to be involved right away. Uh, so in, in a lot of respects, the, these packages that David talked about are sort of built in conjunction with those two entities. And, uh, you know, because we're using uh, city and county uh, properties in some mm -hmm. respects. So you've got to make sure that, you know, you've got clearance for it. You've got to make sure that the, 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 the booking is, is covered. <laughs> and, and, of course, the county and, and the city build so many things here. So in a lot of ways, they're very comfortable knowing that you're sort of driving business towards them. And they're able to use these these uh, infrastructure uh, uh, that that they've created to in order to support what they what they said they were doing, and I think that's made it that's made it really helpful. So I mean, in a lot of ways, having a new convention center attracted a lot of these events. Having a, a giant uh, you know convention hotel helped secure uh, these activities because if you didn't have them, they wouldn't really be coming back because they'd have to scale it down to a to a degree. Because we had the All-Star Game in 1997, and we were in the old convention center. And uh, there was a lot of heartache there because the, the old convention center didn't have spanning uh, uh, floor space where you, you had a, a structure that you could lay out a room that didn't have a lot of poles. And this, this convention center doesn't has the, the expansion of not having uh, support beams that sort of block everything. And, uh, you know, that was a big deal. And of course, uh, we've got the, the new Hilton Hotel, which became right. the uh, player hotel uh, for uh, player activity. So they, they could move in and out of that convention area very quickly because it was all underground. It was, you know, connected in some way. So a lot of this was, uh, you know, making sure that the city and county mm -hmm. were involved early was really very helpful. There's a story out there, and, and you've both heard it. And uh, since I've got you both here, I'm going to ask you about it. That story is that Major League Baseball at some point came in and asked the Indians, Look, we'll give you the all-star game, but one stipulation, you have to diminish Chief Wahoo's presence. Yeah. Is that true at all? No, that's not true. I think that uh, Rob Manfred in the, in the, uh, at the World Series in 2016 got into that discussion uh, with the media and with us as well, but it was not a quid pro quo kind of thing, no. It was, he just, his, his point of view was that uh, we think that the, We'd like to have the logo go away, but it wasn't. Uh, we didn't have to change the logo to get the All-Star Game. That was not the uh, case at all. Let me go back to David to something you t you spoke about earlier: the RNC and uh, having covered the RNC here, of course, and then gone on to Philadelphia 
right after that, the next week, there were so many people who had covered both conventions and just talked about what a wonderful job Cleveland did mm -hmm. and how much more they enjoyed Cleveland uh, than Philadelphia because of just the way the city treated them and, and various things. You talked about how that is a big factor when you go and you speak to people and you talk about the RNC. Was that really the, the catalyst for a lot of this stuff? When you walk in, is that something you can point to recently and say, this is what we did? Absolutely, um, particularly with the NFL draft. As large as that event has become, um, it was estimated about 200,000 people a day attended in Nashville, and we were there. It, if, if it wasn't 200,000, it was awfully close. And, and um, the RNC, is a political convention, is about as big as it gets in terms of overall coordination. And not only did Cleveland host it to show that, yeah, we could check the box on all the things they needed, but because it went so well, um, and that's a testament to this community knowing how to work together when these things happen. And it's also a testament to how personally we take these things and doing all the small things, all, all the small things that were also done during, during uh, MLB uh, All-Star Game that other communities, I don't think they do or not to the scale that we do. And, uh, and it, makes, it makes an absolute enormous difference. And, and our ability to be able to talk to anybody, particularly the largest events rights holders, about what this community did uh, uh, with, uh, with hosting the Republican convention, um, it, it's a tremendous calling card for us. Dennis, in the MLB community, how big are the bragging rights in something like this? Not only the fact that we got this, but the fact that the city did a wonderful job. Oh, I, I, well, we're, we're, not, we're not that braggadocious, I'll say that. Uh, I, I, think that I think they saw it. I don't think we need to do much more than that. I, I think that uh, they, you know, it, it's, it, it's interesting you said that, but in 2016, uh, Major League Baseball came here to see, uh, well, they were here a little bit for the convention. They were here for the debate, and then they were here, for, obviously, for the, or the, uh, the World Series. So they know uh, the team that we have in, internally that they're pretty comfortable with. So they, they know that they can bring in the, uh, the television trucks and they, they know how everything sort of gets handled and, and we take a lot of pride in that and how it all works. Um, so they, 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 they know what they're getting when they come in here because they're, they're a couple of guys with gray hair like me that, that have been around a little bit. So they sort of, they see us and they're like, oh, okay, you know, we're all right. But I think that the, uh, I think that the, the challenge that that baseball has going forward with with a city like this that really embraces something, and baseball then owns the city, if you will. They own the airport, and they you know allow the, the the banners and so forth. Is that they go to Los Angeles next year, and they know they have some challenges there, not only just because of traffic, but just because of what they want to do. They can't do it in Los Angeles. They they can't do a red carpet like they did it here. They'd have to do it much like what they do in Hollywood uh, uh, grand openings or some or the uh, the Oscars or what have you, but. But the, the, the play ball park and, and trying to get uh, kids' involvement with the, with the play ball area is difficult because they don't have a convention center that sort of sits like it does in downtown here. You know, we have full, full use of green space. And that, that ability to have uh, all that activity in a walkable town is, is bragging rights, I guess you'd say, because mm -hmm. it, it, is a, it is a separator from other uh, communities. And I think that. That holds well for uh, the, the draft as well as the NBA uh, All-Star Game because it's easy to get around. You know, it's not difficult to get back and forth from the ho uh, from your hotel or from the airport. 
uh, and it's it's a it's a convenient sort of town, if you will, to uh, to enable all these big events. I'm going to allow you to be braggadocious here for just a minute, <laughs> if you don't mind. I understand Cleveland has had six All-Star games, and that is more than any other city with one team. What does that say about the Cleveland Indians? We got an early start. <laughs> 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 we uh, we hit it early in the 30s and 40s, uh -huh. uh, but I, uh, you know, I think that in, we had it in, in 81 at uh, Cleveland Stadium, and that was right after the baseball strike, mm -hmm. which was uh, sort of a healing sort of all-star game, if you will, and it had a, a big house because uh, because Cleveland Stadium had uh, you know 71,000 fans or whatever it was mm -hmm. at the time. And then uh, in 97, of course, we were here with a, a, almost a brand new facility. So I think it, it, it says that, again, it's, it's one of these things where baseball comes in and knows that, that Cleveland will do a good job. And it, it, it also is a, it's a good, good community to work in because they know that the, the local base will support mm -hmm. something like this. So I think they, mm -hmm. they, they, uh, they feel good about that. Starting early is good. Starting out was good. Yeah. <laughs> David, uh, uh, looking forward uh, to the NBA All-Star Game, the NFL Draft, and the uh, Women's Final Four. Uh, what did you learn? What did the city learn? What did, did your group learn from this experience that maybe you'll do differently next time? Yeah, I, uh, it, we had about a half a dozen um, uh, staff in from the NFL uh, looking at, at uh, uh, how the Rock Hall was used and the convention center and the malls and inside and outside of, of Progressive Field. So. I think we always look at, at um, uh, uh, things that went right, things we could do better. Um, one of the things I, I will say I think that's very unique about Cleveland and, and we feel so good about is we've learned a long time ago that you can use the hosting of these major events as a platform for community change, a platform for, for gathering the community. And so um, one of the things we did around the hosting, knowing now that we have these four, you know, in, in many ways you could argue the four most high profile events Cleveland can bid on to host. You know, we hope we're in another World Series soon or, or NBA championship that you can't bid on, but the four that we could bid on all within a five year period of time. How do we coalesce the community in, in you know, we, we have this incredible platform and so how do we, and we've done this with, I think the community did an amazing job with this around things like the international children's games and the gay games and the senior games. How do you use mm -hmm. events that, that have a real natural affinity to them to elevate an issue? And we're doing the same thing around the hosting of these events um, to, to, to use them a, as a way um, to engage thousands or tens of thousands of people in the community who may not even have a ticket to the event, but can feel like they're a part of it. And, uh, um, and, and to me, those are great lessons because it's beyond just the logistics of hosting a great event. It's how do you continue to be creative? I mean, this, this lunch is, in, well, not this one, but the one that was gonna be here, um, you know, through, through our, our friends at KeyBank, uh. we're gonna do five straight years, a city club forum focused on barrier breaking in sports. I mean, you've got this amazing platform of these sports leagues and the NCAA and, and I'll let Dennis speak to what Major League Baseball and the Indians did with other community partners in raising millions of dollars to leave legacy um, uh, uh, around the community for kids. We, we brought down thousands of, of kids from around Northeast Ohio, um, bussing them in, giving them t-shirts, giving them lunch, doing, so 
they, they, they don't feel like this is somebody else's event in their community, mm -hmm. that they, they're proud that the world is watching us. And I, I think that's where we try to look for a lot of lessons, how to continue to, to up our game in doing that. Dennis, we talked about that a little bit at the table, what the Indians are doing, what Major League Baseball is doing in the field of diversity yeah. and inclusion. Well, they, they, uh, baseball's got a, a, a very robust department uh, in diversity inclusion, uh, and they, re they require uh, and benchmark uh, teams in participating with uh, uh, contractors and, uh, and, and uh, 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 various uh, groups who buy product in particular areas of the country, especially in, at the team level. And there's a, they call it the diversity gateway, where we uh, bid on contracts for various things uh, within our own organization. And we use uh, baseball's uh, platform in order to reach out into the, not only this community, but any, any community in the country, especially when we need products that are not necessarily developed here in Cleveland. So we do have uh, that piece of that. And it, it, they, they've, done a, they've done a nice job of you know, holding each team's uh, feet to the fire and by also showing the teams where they can improve in, in some ways. And they've been doing that for quite some time. Uh, in addition to that, they, of course, when they come in for these events, especially the All-Star Game, likewise, they, have, they benchmark how much money they, they spend in each community, as they did with uh, this one as well. So there were uh, various challenges that were not necessarily thrown at us, but also baseball themselves. They came in, looked for some direction, used the, the gateway in order to go into the marketplace and make sure that they secured those sort of things. The other thing that baseball does is they, they, they feel that be, because they, they come into communities like this, it's not just taking, uh, if you will. So uh, they started actually in 1997 when we first had the All-Star Game here in having legacy projects that would then leave infrastructure at the mm -hmm. community level that would stay in the community over the course of time. We did, we did our first uh, project in 1997 called the Larry Doby Playground at King Kennedy. And it was uh, next door to um, the Boys and Girls Club, which mm -hmm. we've had a long-term relationship, not only locally, but also with Major League Baseball. So we went back there and redid the, uh, the playground as our first leg legacy project. But we did some really, I think, tremendous things that really sort of floated my boat. We, we rebuilt two uh, fields, uh, one at Luke Easter Park in the Mount Pleasant uh, section, and we did one at uh, Brookside over uh, next to the zoo. So we built these gigantic um, uh, baseball fields that have turf now, and they're, uh, we, re we redid the whole space. So it enables kids to play baseball in the weather that we're in, especially in the spring, because a lot of times we support uh, rec center baseball, we support uh, uh, CMSD baseball as well, because uh, they need the funding. So we, we fund all those programs. But you can't play the game a lot of times right. in March and April because they can't get on the fields, they can't have practice. They, they take a 12-game or 15-game schedule mm -hmm. and they wind up playing only eight games. Now with turf fields, they can play a lot more. And I think that's really going to be a, a difference yeah. maker in a lot of ways. That is fantastic. Uh, we're going to go to audience questions in just a minute. But before we do that, Dennis, let me ask you this. Uh, when we get the next All-Star Game in, I guess, 2026 or something <laughs> like that, let me go back to the question I posed to David. What are the one or two things that the team learned that perhaps it would do differently next time? Or, or, or is there nothing you'd do differently next time? I think that. The, the, only, the only thing I would probably do is do more legacy projects, because I think what we found was uh, 
that it, it, it sort of moves a needle uh, because we got to talk to the foundations, we got to talk to city planners, we looked at recreation usage and things like that. And, and I think if we can continue to collaborate with, with city, county, metro parks, and foundations, we can start to build green space in a lot of these, these areas that probably need the lift. And then that supports the neighborhood in, in some ways. So not only we, we, we support the kids, but we also have an opportunity to then work with developers and, and people like that, like the Mount Pleasant area mm -hmm. that, that was important for us to be involved in so that you can sort of piggyback on some of these areas there. And I think that's the thing that we probably want to do a little more as well. I'm Russ Mitchell, anchor and managing editor of WKYC-TV, and today we're listening to a forum on maximizing community benefits of hosting major sporting events. Our guests today are David Gilbert, President and CEO of the Greater Cleveland Sports Commission, and Dennis Lehman, Executive Vice President of Business for the Cleveland Indians. We're about to begin the audience Q&A, and we welcome questions from everyone, city club members, guests, students. If you would like to tweet a question, please tweet it to at the city club, and our staff will try to work it into the program. Holding the microphone today, our, our content coordinator is our content coordinator, Bliss Davis. Bliss, where are you? Hi, Bliss. Hi. And City Club intern, Sophia Brewer-Thompson. Sophia, where are you? How are you? I'm just fine. Excellent. May we have the first question, please? Anyone have a question? Here we go, right over here. You said a lot, the whole world is watching. Well, tell me, um, did people come in to watch the games from other countries, and which countries were the most prominent? The uh, most prominent uh, countries were uh, Japan and Korea, as far as uh, broadcasting was concerned. And I would say that's probably the most heavily uh, broadcasted area, as far as that's concerned. I would, I would, I don't have all the demographics uh, because I haven't seen them yet. But I would tell you that uh, we have, we had quite a bit of uh, uh, Dominican and uh, Puerto Rican fans that came to uh, to uh, the ballpark. It was, it was pretty, it was a pretty good group of uh, folks that came there. But primarily, baseball international has done a very good job in in Korea and Japan, and, and they. They had their, their broadcast networks here to also taking a lot of those feeds. Any other questions here? Yes. You guys did a tremendous job, both the team and the commission. It seems that in the sports world, you can be very successful in getting the name of Cleveland out there and putting on wonderful presentations that have raised the visibility of Cleveland nationwide at least. Recently, Cleveland attempted to make application to Amazon for a business uh, venture here, which wasn't apparently very well received. What takeaways do you have, if any, for the business community, for the political community, to translate some of the successes you have had at the Sports Commission so that perhaps we can do a better job of attracting jobs, jobs, and jobs, to quote the late governor. Excellent question. Um, I, I, it, it is a great question. Um, and I would tell you, I think that um, this community needs to be 
um, more, uh, there needs to be more trust and cooperation amongst the public, private, and civic sectors. Um, and and um, we need to do a better job of taking advantage of these opportunities. And one of the things we know, you know, I wear one other hat, which is, is running Destination Cleveland, more the, the travel and tourism organization. And from all the research we've done, one of the things we know in, is, is the perception of Cleveland from those who've never visited to those who have is, is uh, there's a huge gulf. And, and it's probably as wide as any, any city in the country. And part of that is, you know, there may be a low bar going in, but that's fine. We know, we, but we know advertising, even seeing games on TV change people's image, but being here, being here is what truly does it. So you have an event like this that brings 40, 50,000 people to town. We need to do a far better job of, of tracking those people, um, uh, uh, of trying to use those as a, the, these big opportunities a, as an opportunity to bring the right people to town. And, and you know, we talk about with visitors, um, you know, we, millions of, of new visitors a year, those are first dates. I mean, that's how we view it with Cleveland. All this opportunity, we have 40, 50,000 first dates to Cleveland. The key is how do we translate those into longer term relationships? And, and, and I think that that needs to be um, a far better coordinated job between all of those sectors. I, I can't, I wish I could say I knew exactly how to do it, but we know that we, we the good news is, we, you know, as, as Dan mentioned, we have these other major opportunities in front of us and we can't blow them. Wearing your destination Cleveland hat for a second, I think of Pittsburgh in the 70s, which suddenly became the city of champions. Um, how much does that perception, the perception of sports teams, the perception of doing a great job on events like this have to do with the way others perceive your city? You know, it's tremendous. People, there's a lot written about, about you know, um, sports stadiums and publicly, which is, which is how sports teams are around the country. But I think what you, what you said, Russ, there is no other platform we have that you know where, where uh, uh, regularly on national media our arts our city is worn where, you may be a sports fan or not a sports fan but i think it's hard to deny that a calling card for a city can be its its particularly its professional sports and uh, um and so i and you know if we did not have the cavaliers the indians the browns we wouldn't have mlb all-star game we wouldn't have nfl draft we wouldn't have nba all-star game those events collectively will bring hundreds of thousands of people to town, um, and and it is significantly important. Um, it, it by no means is it the driver, but it is. It does offer a, a community a huge opportunity, and uh, uh, and and um, you know opportunities that again I believe we need to take better advantage of. But thankfully, we do have those teams, and and they do provide us a, a real platform. I've always thought of it as, as when we have events like this, it provides the country a cinematic view of Cleveland as opposed to a snapshot. Yes. And, and it really does, I think, make a, a big difference. Any more questions here? Uh, we have a question from Twitter. Okay. Um, hearing this conversation sort of reminds me of the Cleveland International Film Festival, which has a reputation of treating filmmakers like movie stars. How did the players experience Cleveland? Were we as welcoming, welcoming as we hoped we were? The players really enjoyed uh, their stay here because, uh, as I, I mentioned to you, they stayed at the Hilton and they came here with their mothers and their fathers and their kids and their wives. Uh, so it's a reunion for them in a lot of ways and an honor for them, obviously, too, because I think their moms and dads must be you know, glowing with pride. Uh, but staying at the Hilton, they'd look down 
below, uh, they sold uh, play ball park on a daily basis. They sold the zip lines and they sold the concerts that were going on and so forth. And I think they, they felt pretty good about the fact they could just walk downstairs, walk outside and, and participate. And that's much different than a lot of uh, towns. So I think in a lot of ways they were very pleased with that, how they, how that, that situation occurred. And then they, uh, I, I haven't talked to many of the players, but I know that I, based on how they got dressed up for the red carpet, it seemed to me that they were having a good time there, too. Well, and I would add what's pretty, those are big influencers. You know, think yeah. of the social media that those folks have, whether you're a sports fan or not. It's really important that when you have influencers in town, it's amazing. We've had a lot of people sending us quotes from different people about what they're saying about, about Cleveland. And it's amazing how many players were quoted about what an amazing city Cleveland was right. beyond just their baseball experience. We had, uh, uh, you know, uh, Michael Brantley came back uh, and was honored because he was on the All-Star game. And he had already come back earlier in the season. But he had this thunderous o ovation mm -hmm. when he was introduced. And he, he mentioned uh, that he had, uh, you know, his, his whole body was glowing. And he was mm -hmm. so, so prideful of the fact that you know, he, was, he, he uh, you know, kind of uh, weeped a little bit because of the fans uh, and how they reacted to him. And he was, uh, he was really thrilled with that. Any questions on this side or that side? Hi. Hi, how are you? Hi. Um, I have a question uh, really about the next couple of years, David. So, um, so happy about the legacy projects and the leave behind and hopeful that maybe the NFL and um, the NBA and the Women's Final Four will do similar projects. But what about bringing people, not only for business, to Cleveland, but are we leveraging the opportunity to talk about the affordability of housing in Cleveland, the cost of living in Cleveland, why people should come here to live, and of course, um, say yes to education and what all that's going to mean for the students who are in CMSD? So it's uh, um, another great question. I. I um Again, it's a little a little bit more on the destination Cleveland hat, but we've started to do. We've been asked um, to really get involved in the whole notion of talent attraction, with the idea of travel and tourism is growing significantly. More people coming, and again, seeing those as as people who see Cleveland differently. How do we translate that? And so we just finished a, a first round of some national research on how people perceive Cleveland as a place to live. We do a lot of it as a place to visit. I don't think anybody's ever done that. And so we really are at the front end of some strategies, Karen, to do exactly what you said. We need to, you know, one thing that's important to note is, you know, for all of us in here that are Clevelanders, presumably we, we live here, we know what a great place it is. We're not our customer, right? With the people in this room, Clevelanders are not the people that we're marketing to. It's people from the outside. And there still is a real perception issue. It's something we've battled for 50 years. And, and events like, you know, the All-Star Game and others absolutely help, but we need to be much more strategic on who we talk to, people that are open to the message of Cleveland, and then t to your point, really telling that story. Telling that story of the affordability, of the education, of, 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 because of, we know what, what, what it is. And, uh, um, um, and, and I, I believe it is, it's one of the most important things over the next several years that, that our community can do. Any more questions on this side? Hi. Such a pleasure to hear you all present today. If Mr. Bean had been here, I believe his topic was going to touch on diversity issues. And so I ask a very open-ended question. How did the whole question of inclusion and diversity show up 
perhaps on your planning radar, but maybe even as a surprise as you uh, encountered this event. Uh, and please share with us whatever insight you may have. I appreciate it. it, it it's, um, it's something we're actually very proud of. And it, go, it goes back to one, in, in working on a number of events leading up over the last eight or 10 years, a number that I mentioned that we've tried to use as a platform for major issues. But as we were, as we, uh, uh, were working with the Indians and the Cavs and the Browns, we, there was an interesting fact that kept popping up as Cleveland being a, an amazing city of first as it comes to diversity and inclusion in sports. I mean, you can go to Larry Doby, the first African-American player in the American League. Um, Frank Robinson, the first African-American manager. Uh, um, Wayne Embry, uh, the first general manager, African-American general manager with the Cavaliers. You, you, you can go back to Jesse Owens. You could talk about Charlie Sifford um, uh, down in Canton in the PGA Tour and his daughter, Renee Powell. Um, and th there's, there's a number of others. And we really thought this community should be proud of its history. And, this is, and, and so we thought one of the platforms we should be utilizing over the course of these years is diversity and inclusion. And knowing that we have the platform of these major events, it, it, it means something. And again, that's why in, in working with Key, the idea of, of every year for five years, we're gonna hold this forum and, and bring somebody in who was a, a barrier breaker in diversity and inclusion in, in the area of sports to highlight the issue. And, uh, uh, but, but you know, there is a lot to be proud of in Cleveland's history in, in, uh, um, in barrier breaking in sports. And I think that, that was really the, uh, the, the, um, that light bulb of, of how much of that is in Cleveland's history was, was the first part of it. Let's talk about when I first got here eight years ago, there was a talk, and that's all it was, of putting a dome on top of uh, First Energy <laughs> Stadium. Uh, yeah, of course, that has not happened. Uh, but I ask both of you, how, how much of a game changer would that be if we had a stadium with a dome on it in terms so of bringing what date is D. Haslam speaking? <laughs> <laughs> I see. Okay. All right. Uh, well, uh, a, a dome, if he could remove it, would be a game changer for okay. baseball. Mm -hmm. uh, I, absolutely. I think that we look at some of our uh, teams around the country that have uh, retractable domes, and they do very well in April and May. It's always been a bit of a challenge for us uh, in April and May to, to attract a consistent uh, uh, group sale, if you will, uh, because that, that's really where uh, places like Milwaukee do so, so very well in, in climate that's difficult. Uh, so I think that, that that would be helpful. I think the other thing that uh, I remember you know, way back when uh, is that if you have a dome stadium, you, you can attach something next to it and use the, the, the dome itself as part of a, a convention package in a lot of ways. So you can, you can do those sort of things. And certainly, it attracts a Super Bowl. Uh, because you need a, a dome for a Super Bowl or a, a men's final four. four. Yeah. Yeah, David, for you, uh, getting a dome in a stadium would that be like getting a new bicycle at, at Christmas time? <laughs> <laughs> um, it certainly opens up. It's interesting with the new convention center. When that opened, all of a sudden there was a universe of events, even things like major volleyball tournaments. The ceilings were too low at the old convention center. We couldn't even consider it. So it certainly opens up. You know, Dennis mentioned the men's final four, Super Bowl, and others. Um, obviously, there's a lot of cost benefits to, to weigh, but it, it absolutely would open up other, other possibilities for us. Despite all the great things uh, the city and the Indians have going on, the Indians still consistently rank in the, bottom, in the bottom third in Major League Baseball attendance. Why is that? <laughs> the heck have I know. Uh... <laughs> 
I think we have a great fan base, and I think we've had a lot of success over the last few years, and I think that, that uh, we've, we've been supported very well. I, you know, we, we count, you can count attendance a number of different ways. You can count head count, or you can, you can count uh, gross, and we're doing just fine. So I think in a lot of ways, in our peer group, uh, which we have uh, five other teams we sort of look at, uh, we're performing very well. And uh, now I, I think that uh, we'd love to have more people come to the ballpark. I think that uh, that would be fine. But I also think we, we know what we have, and we, we've been be able to, uh, to develop that fan base. And, and uh, you know, we, we live on the repeat customer. And, uh, you know, it's nice to have out-of-towners that come, but it's really the folks sitting in this room that are really are our fan base and how important they are. And I hope, hope you understand how, how well I think we, we try to treat you as, as, a, as a good customer and when you come to visit us. So I think that uh, I think we're doing fine. We'd always like to have a couple more, but I think that uh, we're not really obsessed by the fact that we're, you know, maybe 24th of 30. That's okay. Yeah, one thing I, I'd want to add to that is um, you know, we, we, we have three, uh, uh, you know, probably the, the, we have teams in the three largest and most prominent right. leagues based on historical size of our market compared to others. And we're, we're the smallest market in the country to have uh, um, MLB, NFL, and NBA. And so it's, you know, it all, I think all of our teams need to punch above their weight. It's simply, simply based on the size of the market, the number of people in our market per major team. So it's, uh, um, it, you know, it, it's, it, you know, I, I, not to defend Dennis because he doesn't need it, but there's a lot of, a lot of factors, not about the Indians and how well they do. In fact, if you look at the success of the team, it's incredible for a smaller market team how many, you know, you know, best record in the American League, the last, whatever, all, all, a lot of great statistics. Um, but but it's, it's a little bit of a challenge for Cleveland overall. Does weather play a factor as well? We touched yes. on that earlier. Yeah, I think weather does. I think it, 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 it was a factor this year. You know, one of the things that, that happens with weather, too, is that you can't make it up. Uh, in a lot of ways, you, you lose um, that's, uh, that unsold seat. Uh, or it's too cold to really um, buy yourself a hamburger or a hot dog because it, you know, it's just not attractive to do that kind of thing. So in a lot of ways, it, it, this particular spring was particularly challenging. But, you know, we've been, we've been through that before. I, you know, it all, all evens out at the end anyway. So. But we're, we're doing fine in that regard. Sophia? Hi. My, my question is kind of related to the last one. Uh, I really love baseball, but I get really concerned about its future because I find these games too darn long and they end too darn late. And I know that's an issue during the week with the Indians because uh, even with the 7 o'clock starting time or 6.30 starting time, I mean, it's just very late to get home and all that. And, of course, there's been a lot written, and, uh, and I don't know if you're privy, if you can tell us this, but uh, or is there any concern uh, in the Indians organization about the length of the games, and uh, do they support any any of these ideas floating around to shorten the games? I think that that uh, the national media certainly has a lot to say about the, the length of the games. Uh, if you really sort of poll our fan base, they, they don't seem to quite share the same concerns. Uh, I, I will say that the, the commissioner has, is very actively involved in trying to tighten the game uh, they're going to implement some rules next year about uh, you know how many batters a, a relief pitcher uh, uh, faces uh, next season. Uh, the time clock is getting closer and closer to reality as far as your ability to get back in the box and make sure that the pitcher has um, 
throws the ball at a certain amount of time. So all these things are sorry, starting to come together as far as compressing some of that, that, that dead time, if you will. So I think, I think there's a move afoot to do those sort of things. I think there'll be small little changes. Uh, we might save uh, you know, 10, 15 minutes uh, at that time, but I think a lot of it has a lot to do with the performance of what's going on on the field, too, as far as uh, you know, the trend today is that you know, nobody likes to take a walk or uh, you know, either strike out or hit a home run, which is kind of new in a lot of ways. So uh, all those sort of ch changes are sort of morphing and have a, a direct effect on the length of, and time of the game, but I think for the most part, uh, we are trying to make some changes in that. But you know, any kind of change like this, a lot of it has to be collectively bargained. So it's not necessarily something that the commissioner can unilaterally change. They have to bring uh, the union to the table, they have to have a conversation, they have to talk to the players, they have to talk to the umpires to make sure that it's, it's properly in, in, um, implemented. And they're doing some things right now in the minor leagues as far as that's concerned too. So they're testing a lot of this. So they're, they're, they're building a, a, a database of information that they'll be able to apply in conversation with the unions going forward. So it, it's, it's, it's coming along, it's just going to be slow. Every once in a while we'll have a story about a team, uh, a high school team or a league that cannot field enough players right. because kids are not playing baseball like they used to, certainly not like they did when, when we were right. kids. How do you convince that younger generation uh, just how great a game baseball is? Well, that's, that's a big focus on baseball right now, and I think that's the one thing that we're trying to, uh, uh, why, we're, why we build fields and why we're trying to uh, train coaches, uh, which we've done uh, the last couple of years as, uh, in, in here in Cleveland. And I think that we want to show kids that it's fun to play baseball. They, we have various programs right now where you, you can play as a young person. It's not necessarily the game. It's out there just having fun and getting kids to understand that they can, they can throw, they can, they can play catch, they can do other games as well as we were kids. So whether it's run the bases or, or some sort of tag game, mm -hmm. just to get the kids actively involved to see what a ball and bat and glove can do besides playing the game itself. So in a lot of ways, we do quite a bit of that uh, in this uh, area we call Rally Cap, which is, uh, which is a, a program for younger kids. But baseball is, is moving much more towards having more kids play uh, and, and activate that, that, that play, if you will, not just like the game that I think is going to be uh, very helpful for us going forward. You know, and, and baseball, too, it's a, it's a relatively safe game in a lot of ways. So, you know, we have a lot of equipment that's used. Uh, there's not a lot of physical contact that goes on. And I think that's the kind of thing that I think is going to be helpful for baseball going forward. Uh, and it, there's a lot of competition, no doubt about it. I think, uh, you know, and from my perspective, I can certainly see it not only with soccer, but with uh, lacrosse. Mm -hmm. And a lot of kids today are playing all these games that, you know, when I was growing up, uh, we just played baseball. So a, a lot of the the kids today have to be introduced to some of these games in a different manner in order them, for them to feel more engaged in, in some of this activity. So I think that's, mm -hmm. that's kind of the focus. Hi. So hey guys, thanks again for jumping in at the last minute. Um, we've had, heard a lot of conversation about kind of what an economic driver the, our three professional sports teams truly are, and it's similar in the role that it plays in our economy to the arts and, and, and other sorts of entertainment. Right now there's this larger regional conversation going on about economic development. 
And I wonder if the two of you could talk a little bit about the role you see for the professional sports teams in that broader conversation about economic development, talent development, workforce development, and, and all of that, because the, the city wouldn't be the same without our professional sports teams in terms of its economy. So we ought to make sure, I guess, that the, that the sports teams are integrated into that, uh, into the future. I, I mean, I, I, I um, there are two, two thoughts coming to mind. I think it's a great question. One, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a believer in, in um, you know, we're, we're all Cleveland. You, I mean, the outside world doesn't, doesn't know the suburbs. You know, I don't live in the city of Cleveland, but I'm a proud Clevelander. And I believe it's that way throughout, you know, and, and we kind of share in the successes and we share in, in the issues. So one thing I think, you know, if you t look at the sports teams, um, it, it's, it's the fans of the Cleveland Indians, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Cleveland Browns doesn't end at the city of Cleveland border. And doing it right, it, it's one of those things that is absolutely a unifier. And, uh, and, and it's something we could take, we could take greater advantage of. Um, but I also think the, the, um, um, it, 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 it broadens the question a little bit, but it's the, the, the whole notion of regionalism is, we, we talk about it all the time, and um, it, it, if we don't begin to do a better job of acting regional and not just talking regional, we're gonna keep falling behind. And uh, um, you know, again, how exactly the teams fit in uh, is a is a little bit of a tough question. Other than they they are owned, you know, forget the own the actual owner. I think they are owned by this community, and this community is regional. And uh, um, and I think there is something very unifying. I would love to see every college student in Northeast Ohio make sure they're at an Indians or Cavs or Browns game. I mean, they need if we have these students, whether they're at Kent State or Case or Cleveland State. We need to keep them here. Columbus is growing because they keep their students at Ohio State. They make such an effort to tie their students into Columbus. Um, and I can tell you stories when we were looking with our kids. We went to, to some of the, 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 the um, uh, talked to some of the people at Ohio State with one kid there, one not. And they were just, they were giving example after example of how their kids work in this city department to help solve a city problem. And so again, I, I, the more we can do, I think the teams are, are really important to that, of getting, getting our kids to, to, who are in Northeast Ohio to feel a part of it. And, and I, I think that's one of the best ways, whether it's arts or sports, getting them to experience what Cleveland is through those mediums is critically important. I think that sports, sports teams in particular right now are very actively involved in uh, doing economic development with uh, the communities right now. And you're seeing that all over the country. And I think we're getting there as well. I think that uh, you know all of us have uh, the need to have ancillary revenue, if you will. So if, you're, if you have a stadium or an arena or a, or a, a ballpark, if there's additional uh, uh, land, I think that it would be helpful to have the sports teams and the community sort of work together to sort of develop these areas where you have a, you know, an entertainment district, if you will. And you see a lot of that right now, especially in some of the new ballparks that are being built. But that doesn't negate the people that already have buildings here because in a lot of ways, it still is a viable attraction for people to live and work around the shadow of a entertainment district in some way. And I think there's a lot to do still in this town in order to do all that stuff. Workforce development is a little more of a challenge for us, uh, but we have a whole farm system of people that we develop uh, in our office uh, as, as the Cavs do as well, where 
you develop young people, part-time people that you sort of bring along and train them in, into being salespeople or customer service people and allow them to sort of grow within your organization and become full-time benefited folks. Mm -hmm. And like a lot of the same thing with sports teams, there are tons of first-time job seekers that we bring into our, uh, our offices or in our concessions or our ballpark that have their first job as a uh, as a team member, if you will, whether it's yeah. an usher or mm. a security person or a hot dog flipper, you know. But that's that's part of what we do, you know, in a lot of ways, and it's it's part of what we can do as teams. It's interesting in TV when your time is up, they just take you off the air. <laughs> at the city club, Dan Multhrop gets up, which means your time is up. Thank you very much, Russ Mitchell. Today at the City Club, we've been enjoying a forum to close out Major League Baseball's All-Star Week featuring David Gilbert of the Cleveland, the Greater Cleveland Sports Commission and Dennis Lehman of your Cleveland Indians. We thank all of you for joining us today. That brings us to the end of our forum. Thank you, Mr. Mitchell, Mr. Lehman, Mr. Gilbert. Thank you, members and friends of the City Club. Our forum is adjourned. Have a wonderful weekend. For information on upcoming speakers or for podcasts of the City Club, go to cityclub.org. Production and distribution of City Club forums on IdeaStream are made possible by the generous support of PNC and the Raskin Family Fund, with additional funding from Robert Conrad, Cleveland State University, the Chautauqua Institution, the Cleveland Clinic, and the United Black Fund of Greater Cleveland Incorporated.